Hi, welcome back to Impact at the Core, the podcast. My name is Thijs van den Hout, Community and Communications Officer at Impact at the Core. In this series, we talk about impact-driven education with guests from both inside and outside Erasmus University Rotterdam. Together with faculties, students, and societal stakeholders, Impact at the Core works on education that enables students to engage with the wicked societal challenges of today. That way, we can help build solutions for complex problems while giving our students an opportunity to gain professional experience. For more information about our program and updates about our projects, visit eur.nl slash impact at the core. Today, we speak with Sylvan Liché, clinical epidemiologist at Erasmus Medical Center. Earlier this year, he won the Sterk Participation Prize for his shift research into multimorbidity. On top of that, Sylvan is involved in the development of a new program for medical students here at Erasmus. So there's a lot to talk about. But first, welcome Sylvan, and I believe um, a belated congratulations are in order. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> Let's dive right in and talk about the subject matter of your research, multimorbidity. Uh, for those of us less familiar with the term, can you briefly explain what multimorbidity is? Yes, of course. Well, exactly the, the term refers to the condition where a single patient has multiple conditions uh, in his life or her life. Uh, whereas, for example, a couple of years ago, uh, most patients uh, were started, of course, healthy and, and then grew into some kind of chronic illness. Uh, and, and we were able to treat those diseases. But nowadays we are even better to treat those diseases. And we see that patient, patients then are allowed to live a little bit longer and start to develop other diseases. So they are accruing multiple diseases. And this is where the term comes into play. Uh, we can refer to those patients multimorbid. Uh, the, the patients themselves do, don't really like it always because it really sounds uh, a little bit cruel. Uh, but in the research terms, we, we use that term nowadays a lot. And what type of conditions are we talking about? So the, the multimorbidity definition um, is really restricted to those conditions that are long-term. So you can think of cancer or heart disease uh, or respiratory diseases like lung diseases. Um, diseases that are present and that necessarily cannot really go away. So you can treat them, but they will remain uh, or people will have the consequences of those diseases later on. Does that include mental illnesses? Yes, this can also include mental illnesses. And what we often see is that those also interact. So people can have mental illnesses alongside somatic diseases like heart disease or uh, symptoms of their bones or joints. Um, and then it becomes really complicated because people have complaints at two sides of their body, what we call discordant. So there are two organ systems involved. Um, and then curing or managing those patients can be a really a challenge. So if somebody were to be hospitalized after having a stroke, for instance, and would then develop a mental illness, such as depression, that would fall within the scope of multimorbidity. Exactly, exactly, yes. And then, then there's a difference between what we do in research and what we see in clinical practice because people having a stroke, not all of them will have uh, will will experience symptoms later on. Some of them will uh, be completely cured, but it's not always possible in the research that we do to differentiate between those people. So, for simplicity, we call those also those that have no symptoms left multimorbid. And at the risk of asking an obvious question, uh, <laughs> why is it important to do research into why people develop multiple chronic diseases at the same time? Is it is it a common condition? Well, 
the, I think it's a little bit due to the, the, the contemporary setting where we now treat and, and manage patients in hospital systems or also at the general practice. Um, for example, decades ago, the, the general practitioner could, could easily help those that have one single condition. And if it's become complicated, then he or she refers to a medical specialist. And that medical specialist is really, well, organizing his or her care on an isolated uh, point. Yeah, so for instance, you go to the general practitioner with um, a cough and yes. he sends you to a lung doctor. Yes, and then the lung doctor is, is uh, um, excellently capable to to treat or manage your condition there regarding your, your lungs. But let's say you have that stroke where we just talked about and then you uh, experience mental problems, but you also have some rest symptoms of your stroke. Let's say your leg isn't working that well. Um, then it, it is sometimes difficult which doctor to refer to and who is going to manage you primarily. Is it, for example, the psychiatrist, or is, do, do you have to stay with a neurologist that can also manage partly your mental symptoms because of your lack, you experience mental symptoms? Maybe the neurologist is better off managing those than the, than, than the psychiatrist. And then we have to really see how can we organize that care best. And that's what your research focuses on. Well, first, uh, ideally, we would like to do that, but first, we would we were wondering what is exactly the prevalence. So, how how often does this occur in the population, in the general population, having two or more of those diseases in one single patient? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, are there any risk factors that we can identify? Are there some people that are more prone to develop multiple diseases? Is it related in their genetics or is it their lifestyle? And and all those kinds of questions are, I think, first important to answer before we can really see how to organize care in, in hospital systems. And does it occur often? So what we see now is that at least a third of the population has two or more of those diseases. And then I talk about the, the population of 45 years and older. Yeah. Because if, if we look into, for example, children, then it will be less less often. But, but that's something we have to study uh, uh, in the future. But f let's say we restrict to older adults. 45 years and older, then we see like uh, at least a third of the population has those diseases in their lifetime. Um, I have to say, it's not that if you're 45 years of old age, that then a third of them is having those uh, combinations, but we see that over the lifespan. So when people grow older, then you see that the multimorbidity risk is increasing very steeply. And uh, by the age of 90 or 100, then you see that, that there are, um, well, like uh, half of the population that is then alive is, is already uh, multimorbid. Yeah. And that's, I think, what we all, if you have a relative or something, somebody you know in a, in a nursing home, that is something we, we can all recognize that the ones that are there admitted are often multimorbid. For example, they can have dementia, but they often also have had a stroke or problems with their joints. Um, and in in line with that question, is there a, a personal incentive for you to do research in this particular field? Uh, why multimorbidity? Yeah, so it it started off, I think, during my PhD um, when I was studying dementia and I was uh, developing and validating predictive tools to to predict the risk of dementia. Um, we expanded that research in the in the Rotterdam study, a very large population-based study in, in Rotterdam. Um, that study runs already for like 30 years. And uh, we started to look into dementia, but also the combinations of diseases that people have, just out of curiosity. And then we saw that, that it's very common that there people have very different combinations of diseases. 
Um, but later on, I, I experienced in my personal life also the consequences of having multiple diseases. Um, and that's something that is really uh, stuck me in the sense that it also gives me insight in what the differences are in doing research, like from your computer and building models and doing all the, the scripting and what's happening in real life and daily practice. And that those two worlds are very far from each other apart. And I think the nice thing or the challenge for me is to really bring them a bit together. Yeah, because it brings an emotional component, uh, I would imagine. It yeah, becomes definitely. human. Yeah, yeah. And when I went to the hospital to um, to accompany uh, one of my relatives, it, it was also uh, something that we saw frequently, that, that there were some kinds of miscommunication or... or uh, frustrations uh, by the patient or by the, the healthcare provider that when you're having multiple diseases that it's very hard to organize it very well for, for a single patient. And that what you can see in single departments, for example, uh, in the department of uh, neurology or internal medicine, that the departments itself are very well organized. They really know what to do uh, with the patient with, for example, a liver disease or, or a thyroid uh, but when the combinations come into play, and then especially when they are discordant, so there are multiple organ systems involved, then it's becoming really tricky. Yeah. So, so I can imagine for doctors whose purpose um, it is to to cure their patients, that it can be frustrating that um, you have a patient with with a lung disease um, yeah. who's also developing uh, different illnesses, mental or not. And is that what you're talking about? Is the yeah, frustration of I cannot treat this and how can we... Um... Yeah, and I think we're also uh, on the verge of, of, of trying to see how we can do it better together because when you're a lung doctor, then it can be frustrating who to refer to. But also, when I refer my patient to the another colleague of mine, is my patient then coming back or is that colleague of mine becoming the, the, the key ch chief uh treatment doctor, let's yeah, say, yeah. And, and do I see my patient back or who's then going to be in charge and all those kinds of steps that, that have to be communicated. And I think we can we can scale that, we can do that in hospitals, but it's not something that we are doing right now already. Some 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 initiatives are starting up, but but it's not, it's not really uh, there yet. Okay, we'll get back to that in a minute. Um, but first, uh, something else. Um, you expressly invited the subject group uh, to be a part of the various phases of your research process. Um, that was also one of the reasons the jury um, was so keen on your work. Yeah. Um, however, it begs the question, is it normally the custom that patients are less or maybe not at all involved in research into their diseases? Well, the, the involvement of patients is something that researchers do a lot. And uh, especially later on when the research projects are starting up and they are starting to invite people, then they really ask them how can we best invite people, recruit them for, for let's say, trials that, that target new drugs. Um, but the new thing, I think, of, of, the, of what, what kind of young researchers are also doing more now is when you are thinking about a new research project that you at that phase, at that early phase, already start recruiting your, your patients and start involving them. So you test your ideas with them directly instead of that you write your grant proposal and then get it reviewed and then it comes back and perhaps it gets approved and then you start contacting patient organizations to, to settle and organize your, your research. So in this case, um, we started really at an early phase of, of, of thinking, hey, this is our idea, what do you think of this as a patient? 
and especially as a patient with multiple uh, diseases. And this is something that gave us some very new insights that we didn't have ourselves. Uh, so the patients came up with very interesting new ideas to really sharp our, our research project. And that was, for, for me, also the first time, but very exciting to work with. Can you elaborate on that? What types of, of initiatives or perspectives uh, came from your patients within yeah. your research? Yeah, so for me, it sounds a little bit embarrassing because I was really focused on the somatic part of the diseases. So the combinations of cancer, neurodegenerative disease or diabetes. And then one of the patients came up and said, hey, I, I already have like diabetes for a very long time, but more recently I developed a depression. And especially the combination of having a depression with diabetes was for me very... Uh, very disabilitating and then she said to me you should very much expand your research not only to to somatic diseases but also in, especially in the interactive part of the psychiatric or psychosocial uh, health uh, systems and and that was the the start of this project actually where we really rephrased the research project to study the interaction between psychosocial burdens of disease and, and the somatic part and and if we go back to the um, multidisciplinary approach for a little bit, um, in a reaction on the website of the, the Dutch Lung Foundation, uh, you talk about patients who experience their diseases in different ways because of mental conditions, such as anxiety, depression. Um, and to better align the treatment with the profile of the patient, you want to look into the interaction between mental and physical illness at an earlier stage. Um, that would call for a, a multidisciplinary approach, which you just uh, mm -hmm. mentioned already. How do you go about that? Yeah, I, th I think this is one of the most challenging parts because we now have the, the traditional healthcare system organized in silos. So we have specialized doctors for the lung disease, specialized for the cancer, for neurodegenerative part. Uh, and that works, I think, really well. And I think we have one of the top medical systems in the world. So there's no critique about that. Uh, but if you look into the, the perspectives of the patient that we have heard a lot uh, during this research project, um, then I think as a first step, and that's what I want to do also with, with, uh, with the prize, is, is to start up a patient panel of people that have multiple diseases and start to talk with them how they feel that we should organize healthcare. And that can be patients with different kinds of combinations, but that will also give us the very much insight in that we need. Because I think we need to talk more to the patients that are actually getting the care, that receiving the care and not talk about them. And do you have any idea what, they're, what they will say? So what they really like is, is uh, because I gave some presentations also at the, the Lung Congress this year, and then we had some interactive discussions, and what I heard from them is what they really like is the, is the part where some uh, of the medical doctors take the lead in, in organizing care. And um, that can be different for different combinations of disease. For example, if you have diabetes and heart disease, Perhaps it's uh, reasonable to say that the cardiologist or the internal medicine doctor is taking the lead. But then it's very useful for the patient to know who is having the lead in this part. And, and, and that it's clear to all of the healthcare providers, not only to the doctors, but also to the psychologists, to the physiotherapists, all of those providers that are involved. And that there's one doctor taking responsibility, but also directing the actions of, of care and cure. Um, so what the patients are looking for is is a captain. Yeah, I think I think that that's a, that's a great word for it. And and what I heard from them uh, during initial discussions during uh, the lung congress uh, this year um, is that they like the idea of having a captain and a team around that captain that is providing their care. Uh, 
and and that's also in line actually with with very recent uh, developments in in Rotterdam in in, in Rasmus Medical Center, uh, where we use variable based healthcare. So we use patient reported outcome measurements um, that are forms or or uh, surveys that we send out to patients and what they would like to have in their care. What are their preferences? Uh, for example, regarding treatment or how many hospital visits do they want to have, but that they really make the care more personalized. And I think that this this type of providing care in in in, in teams with a captain on top is is something that we can work to. Um, I was asking about the the multidisciplinary approach uh, for a reason. Um, you're also involved in the development of um, Erasmus Arts 2030. Um, it's a new design uh, of our medical education at Erasmus. Uh, it might be helpful to note here that arts translates to a doctor, uh, so it does not refer to arts in the Picasso way. However, um, with Erasmus Arts, you want to educate the students in a broad way that also enables their societal engagement and uh, prepares them for technological developments. Talking about multidisciplinary approach, which lessons from your research do you keep in mind with the setup um, of such a, a whole new study program? Yeah, so so it remains very important that when you start medical school that you get uh, your insights into the pathophysiological mechanisms of disease. So that that's, I think, the first step of, of, of trying to understand what's happening in the human body when someone gets diseased. So the part of having uh, the multimorbidity interest or, or burden of that the combination of disease comes later on because people first have to understand how is it possible that somebody develops heart disease or gets cancer. But what we recognize in the Rasmart uh, 2030 is that the, the society and the landscape of medical healthcare is very much changing now. And also the people are growing older, much older than before. So the burden of multimorbidity is also increasing a lot, also in the Netherlands. And that is something we have to prepare our future doctors for. So that's the reason why we now try to shape a new curriculum where people first try to understand the concepts of disease and uh, the, 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 the very common um, individual parts that, that contribute to the burden of disease in the population. But that we also want to try to teach them how to deal with patients that have different combinations. And that part will become, I think, something of the master program in the, in the new curriculum. But that's something we still are developing. But it's very nice to have the opportunity for me as a researcher to implement the findings that we have in our own uh, research, but also outside uh, our own lines of research in the general community, to really implement those in the new way of teaching uh, the new medical doctors. And how do you think students will respond to this? Uh, I can imagine a lot of students uh, coming to medical school with the ambition to become dermatologist or surgeon, um, whatever it may be. Um, how can they um, engage with a study program that invites them to look uh, multidisciplinary, to, um, to, to start the conversation with another specialist, to see... Um, what you can do about multi-morbidity. Uh, yeah. Multi yeah. Yeah, that's something we, we also recognize, and that's, that's uh, a very important question. And we try to do that from the first year on, that we start to do projects with, with the different students and that we organize projects that are multidisciplinary. So from the first year on in medical school, they learn that they can have their own ambitions, of course, and they can become specialists, whatever they want. But they have to realize that 
the care or cure that they are giving later on in their lives or prevention, because that's becoming increasingly important, uh, will also be multidisciplinary and that they have to learn that they can, well, not always treat their own patients by their own and that they also need their colleagues, the patients and the relatives around them to organize care best. And most of the care that we are giving in the future will probably be an occur outside of hospitals. So there will be much more uh, uh, attention to prevention, but much more care and cure in, in hospitals or in home settings or in the primary care settings where general practitioners are in the lead. Um, so, so yeah, there, there are two different ways. First, we want to give them uh, the opportunity in those projects from here on to, to understand that there are different perspectives to health and disease and that the dermatologist looks at the patient at a different angle than the cardiologist, but that they have to cooperate. And as a second part, we try to give them the understanding that the need for doctors in the future is different from that it was before. We need much more doctors that are generalized in their, in their training, and we also need more doctors in the first line of care. So we need more gener general practitioners, we need more people at the GGD, uh, the community centers and probably also more people at the, at the psychosocial health uh, part. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to leave it at that for today. I wish you all the best with your future endeavors uh, with this research. Again, thank you very much for being here. Sylvain Lichet, clinical epidemiologist at Erasmus Medical Center. And that concludes the third episode of Impact at the Core, the podcast. Thank you for listening. This was the last episode for now. Hopefully, we will return soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to our LinkedIn page or go to www.eur.nl slash impactatthecore for updates and stories about our work. My name is Thijs van den Hout. Thanks again, and let's talk soon. Bye-bye.